0: Circle, yes we rotate. Three hundred and sixty degrees, ha ha. Three hundred and sixty degrees, ha ha. Three hundred and six, three hundred and six, three hundred and sixty degrees, ha ha. All right, miyuyam, cho cho'onam, and Mukiyam to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, broadcasting from right here at KTFA in Huchin, occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley, California. This week on Full Circle, We turn towards Women's History Month and events. And of course, while we do that, we will continue to keep our eyes and ears on Palestine. On tonight's show, we'll hear an interview with retired Army Colonel and diplomat, now Warrior for Peace and Right. And in the second half of the show, we'll get the 411 on the upcoming International Working Women's Day rally and march. That's going to be March 8th. We'll speak with representatives from the Palestinian Feminist Collective and the Philippine Solidarity Task Force. All that tonight on Full Circle. I am your host tonight, Free Will and Franklin, coming to you from downtown Antioch. This is occupied Bay Miwok territory. Keep it locked right here to KPFA. Yes, again, Miyu-Yum, yum and Noson Lovik for joining us tonight on Full Circle. My heart is full. Thank you very much. And before I start the show, I want to say thank you in a big way to all the folks that donated to KPFA during Full Circle last week. As I just said a moment ago in my father's traditional language, we say thank you as Noson Lovic. And it means my heart is full and it is. So I thank you all very much. For making those donations and just for folks to know it was actually the Palestinian community and their supporters that came out big for this show last week while all this is happening to their loved ones the bombs starvation you know all that with their friends and family they took a little bit of their time and money and donated to KPFA that money could have been spent On their friends and family that are literally starving over in Palestine, literally have no roof over their heads. So, again, I thank you very much. And I ask you, if you haven't made a donation yet, as we make our way through the show tonight, please, if you feel moved to donate by something you hear tonight or even something you've heard in the past, please make a donation by going to KPFA.org And do it in honor of all the people that donated last week. Those who said yes, full circle is important to our communities. KPFA is important. Again, kpfa.org. If you'd like to make a donation online, if you'd like to call in, you could do that by dialing 1-800-439-5732. And that's 1-800-HEY-K-P-F-A. All right, let me get into our show tonight because I have two great interviews for you. First, to kick off our show and Women's History Month, I want to bring in retired Army colonel of 29 years and U.S. diplomat for 16 more years on top of that, Anne Wright. Uh, She resigned from her diplomatic duties on the eve of the Iraq War. I believe that was 2003. And since then, as I like to say, she has become a warrior for peace she's traveled on a peace flotilla to gaza to attempt to bring relief and aid Um, she's always been a spoke an outspoken critic of not only this attack on gaza but the palestinian issue in particular as well as the united states wars abroad but let me not say too much and let me get into anne wright herself uh, stay tuned to KPFA here. Also, a quick note, we recorded this interview Wednesday before the news came out about what's being referred to now as the Flower Massacre when Israeli troops uh, just fired on civilians lined up for food aid. All right, stay tuned to KPFA. This is Ann Wright. All right, welcome to Full Circle again and KPFA uh, Ann Wright.
1: Thank you. Great to be with you.
0: And let me clear this up real quick. Do you still like to be referred to as Colonel Ann Wright? Is that the appropriate term, or should I just call you Ann Wright?
1: Please just Ann Wright. I've been called Colonel more out of the military than I was in the military, I think.
0: Okay. Well, thank you for clarifying that. And well, before we get started talking about war and Palestine and the reason I got you here, um, maybe people just don't know uh, you know, how we got to where you are in your life. Can you talk about your service with the U S military and remind folks what you resigned from and why?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, uh, joined the U S army back during the Vietnam war long, long time ago. I joined it not uh, to go to Vietnam and fight or anything like that. I joined it to get out of the state of Arkansas where I grew up and, uh, That was the way, when you didn't have any money, join the Army, see the world, and since I wasn't a nurse, the Army said, well, you won't be going to Vietnam, which was fine with me. I ended up staying not just a two-year assignment, but actually 29 years between the active duty and Army Reserves. I retired in 1996 as a colonel. Uh, During that time, though, I had uh, switched from the Army into the U.S. Diplomatic Corps and served... In that, for 16 years in US embassies in Nicaragua, Grenada, Somalia, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, Sierra Leone, Micronesia. I helped reopen the embassy in Afghanistan in December of 2001 and then was in Mongolia as the deputy chief of mission or deputy ambassador, which I had been for the, the previous four assignments, uh, in the prelude to the decision of the Bush administration to invade and occupy Iraq. And at that point, I said, "I'm not having any more of this." I've been, I'd been a part of the government under eight presidential administrations and had seen a lot and been involved in a lot. And this was one step too far. So I ended up resigning, and uh, you know that was 23 20, uh, years ago. And so since then, I've been um, uh, working with peace groups all over the country and all over the world to try to stop this scourge that we seem to have which is war over diplomacy
0: well that leads right into my next question since that time you have found other work and i don't know if this is a proper term either but i would call it as a soldier for peace and uh talk about the work you're doing now on your own with code pink and other peace organizations that are out there fighting for peace and why is this work important to you
1: well, indeed, uh, the, so the first groups that started contacting me after I resigned from the government were Veterans for Peace first, that, that, since I was a veteran and I ran into uh, the Veterans for Peace at Santa Barbara, at their display of the crosses, the Arlington West display. And then from there, Code Pink, I ran into Code Pink, and then coming back to where I live now, Hawaii, Hawaii Peace and Justice. Um, with all all the organizations around the country that stand for peace and around the world, the International Peace Bureau, the No to NATO groups, uh, all of these I work with um, to add my voice to the voices that for decades have been uh, challenging the U.S. government and its war policies to say there's there's a better way to, to have our world than this continuation of war after war after war, which we're seeing right now in 2024.
0: And I'm going to move your question back up here, because as we get into talking about war in Gaza, we are kicking off Women's History Month with you. Thank you for being um, a part of our show, the first show in Women's History Month. I want to move into talking about war and what's happening in Gaza and the work you're doing to help prevent the genocide there. But talk about, before we get into that, talk about how war affects women in general, and then what you've seen happen when you actually took a trip to Palestine and Gaza, and then we'll get into what's going on today.
1: Surely. Well, as we all know, the wars, wherever they are, affect women, children, and of course men too. Uh, But as uh, kind of the glue that holds families together, women, mothers, uh, wives, uh, uh, have a particular role in in that uh, family cohesion. And the wars definitely just rip it apart. And whether you're a mother and you have your son or daughter that is having to go fight a war, or whether you're part of a family and you are the recipient of the war, that the war has come to your home, and as we see certainly in in Gaza right now, where in four months the Israeli military has pretty well flattened Gaza, and there are at least 30,000 Palestinians who are dead in four months, 7,000 that are still under the rubble. Um, the numbers of women and children that are part of that 30,000 that are dead uh, is enormous. They're estimating probably twenty to twenty-two thousand will be women and children. The first time I ever went to Gaza was in two thousand nine. It was uh, because I'd seen on on television some of the video of the level of destruction that had happened during that twenty-seven day war, and I, I couldn't quite comprehend that there was so much destruction. So, um, Adea Benjamin Tigberry and I. Uh, hopped on a plane and followed Kathy Kelly, who already had gotten into Gaza, uh, to see the level of destruction, and it was horrible, and to speak with some of the families of the 1,400 people that had been killed. Uh, During 2009, we took five delegations back into Gaza, and the very first delegation we took was for International Women's Day in Gaza. And it was so poignant because we were meeting with women whose houses had been destroyed, whose apartment buildings had been destroyed, whose uh, families had been, some of them had been killed during that. And I can only imagine now, uh, 2009 to 2014, that's uh, 15 years later. And now we see 140 days of war and the level of destruction of Gaza and the numbers of people that have been killed is just unfathomable. It just is truly the genocide that the uh, International Court of Justice has called in everything but the name genocide. But they they have certainly identified all of the indicators of a genocide, and they're being tragically met by what the Israeli military is doing to people in, in Gaza. And I'll also mention for the for the women in Israel, this is a tough time for them too. The ones who had family members that were killed on October 7th. And now the, the numbers of, of mothers and wives that are, and, and women that are in the Israeli military. The, those people that are coming back to their homes, a totally different person. That uh, they have now seen and done things um, in the last four months that will live with them the rest of their lives. Many of them have done this before, though, because the Israeli military has been attacking Gaza for a long, long, long time. And in fact, since 2009, there have been seven seven, uh, additional uh, attacks that people in the Israeli military have done on Gaza. So Israel is a fractured society with post-traumatic stress on every level. And then you look at what has happened to Gaza and people in the West Bank who whose uh, villages are being uh, run over by Israeli tanks and houses blown up and uh, young boys uh, taken from their homes and put into uh, facilities under very disrespectful conditions. So this is a horrific time when you talk about Women's History Month. Well, the history for women uh, and trying to get through these things we call wars, both in Gaza, West Bank, in Sudan, in Ukraine, in Russia. I mean, it is a it is a pitiful state that our world is in because our politicians like war more than they like peace.
0: Well, let me um, talk about your experience because and let me just clarify, you said 2009 to 2014, but I think you meant 24, uh, 24. Yes, thank you. 15 years. You're welcome. (laughs) Uh, No problem. And, um, well, going back, you're talking about 2009. Can you just, um, clarify in, um, you know, kind of short terms, um, for folks that feel like, well, what happened after October 7th? You know, this is, uh, the beginning you're talking about your own experiences in 2009. Talk real briefly about how this didn't start on October 7th and what Israel has been doing, you know, for how many years, you know, and, the right of an occupied force to resist
1: mm-hmm. indeed. well, starting with the creation of the state of Israel in nineteen forty eight where over eight hundred thousand Palestinians were pushed out of their lands called the Palestine Mandate. Uh, those people are, many of them had to go to to uh, Gaza. Uh, many of them are in Jordan or in Lebanon. It's one of the largest. Of the diaspora groups in the world. Since then, uh, there have been numerous attacks, as I mentioned before, um, uh, and many programs the government of Israel has had to include Israeli settlers who are illegally going into Palestinian lands. And they say over, I think it's 700,000 illegal settlers have stolen lands. That belong to Palestinians. That's in addition to the violence that the Israeli military has wrecked upon uh Gaza over these last uh almost two decades uh, of uh attacks that have that have happened that have killed thousands and thousands of uh Palestinians. And while I mean October 7th was was horrible, but there is uh, you know, once once there is a point reached by the people that are being occupied for decades, then there is an eruption. And while one would hope that it's not violent, but it it is, and that's what happened on October seventh. Uh, it was a it was a tragedy um, that that many people were to be killed. But the our argument the Israeli government and the U.S. government uh, seems to be using that. The thirty thousand that have been killed in Palestine, in Gaza, uh, is still a matter of self-defense. And I would say, coming from the military, that's a bunch of bull. <laughs> that self-defense may have been like on day one or day two of a response, but this is wholesale genocide. What uh, Israel is doing, and it is, in fact, in a way, I think, for the Israeli politicians, it's who have always coveted more land in. In uh, that belongs to Palestine. In fact, every prime minister ever in the history of Israel is on record saying, we want their land. We want their land. And this is the biggest land grab that uh, uh, has happened since 1948. And it's at the expense of uh, nearly almost now 40,000 Palestinians dead in, in four months, which is just incredible. Unbelievable.
0: Definitely unbelievable. It's been horrific to watch. Well, let's move on a little bit into our conversation here on Sunday. An active air force soldier named Aaron Bushnell took his own life in front of the Israeli embassy in DC. Uh, Some of his final words were that he's not going to be complicit in genocide anymore. Uh, Can you talk about the role that the U S um, the military and the government is playing in the annihilation and the genocide happening in Gaza. And then talk about how you felt when you saw or heard about the video of Aaron Bushnell and his story.
1: Well, it was, I think I, like everyone else was flabbergasted that someone would torch themselves, uh, for a political purpose. And his was to bring attention the fact that the U.S. military that he was a part of, and he was in a military uniform when he uh, when he did his immolation, uh, that the U.S. military and the U.S. government, of course, is up to its eyeballs in the genocide that's going on of Palestinians in Gaza. The United States continues to move military equipment, uh, send money. Uh, the, there is a $14 billion request that Biden has made to the US Congress for more money normally we give Israel 3.8 billion a year which is the largest amount we give any country in the world and that's to Israel a very developed country that has its own industries has everything free education free healthcare all of that and yet we're still giving them nearly 4 billion dollars a year and now the Biden administration wants to almost uh, quadruple that up to 14 billion more and I think uh, Aaron, who was an intelligence uh, senior airman, you know had a had a, a, a crisis of conscience that said, I cannot be a part of this organization that is funneling equipment and personnel too. The U.S has very quietly moved some U.S military into uh, Israel to help do targeting uh, of Palestinians in in Gaza. So, we don't know for sure quite uh, other than he said, "I will not be complicit in what the u s is doing." but we don't know how much he knew behind and what his education was all about. Uh, but you you have to admire somebody that's willing to take their own lives to bring to the the attention of the world how horrible this is and there's a there's a quite a tradition. I've written an article about this the the, the the numbers of emulations that have happened. Uh, during the Vietnam War, there were six of them and uh, several Quakers, including the very first one, which was, who was a woman. And then the second one, Norman uh, Morrison, who took his life uh, at the Pentagon under what turned out to be the offices of Secretary of Defense McNamara. And it was later in McNamara's memoirs that he said, my family was turning against the war in Vietnam, and I was hearing it from them every night when I went home. And I will never forget the day that this young man took his own life under the window of, of my office in the Pentagon. So these things do do affect policymakers, and one would certainly hope that President Biden and Secretary of State Blinken and Secretary of Defense Austin uh, are taking to heart the fact that uh, A senior airman of the Air Force disagrees so strongly with US policies for the support of the criminal actions of the State of Israel that he was willing to take his own life. And in December, December 1st of last year, a person in Atlanta, Georgia, did the same thing at the Israeli consulate in in, uh, Atlanta. We don't know the name of that person yet. Uh, For some reason, here it is almost three months later the name of that person has not been disclosed nor whether or not he or she survived the self-immolation. But we should know that because that's it's important if a person is willing to give their lives over uh, an issue. And that person had a Palestinian flag with him or her when, when she did that. So it's so important that we uh, acknowledge that while we are all trying to uh, do do events and things to get the attention of our policymakers, to include our congressional delegations, uh, to say no more money for funding war to Israel, no more money for funding war to Ukraine. Let's stop this war thing. Let's not have a war with China or North Korea. There's got to be better ways in this uh, advanced age that uh, that we can resolve international issues rather than destroying and, and we've seen so much in, in Ukraine and in Gaza and other places, the complete devastation uh, of lives as well as infrastructure that will take decades to replace.
0: Definitely. And we're not even talking about journalists or healthcare workers right now, which are in the hundreds. Um, but we are kind of running out of time. I got two more questions for you. Um, we kind of started off that last question talking about Aaron Bushnell. You yourself um, resigned from certain duties uh, related to the government. Uh, what would you say to um, maybe active military soldiers, National Guard who are battling their conscience right now for whatever their, conscience, uh, their contributions may be to the U.S. military at this time and what's happening in Gaza. What would you say to them if they're internally struggling with what they're doing?
1: Yeah, well, I resigned uh, in opposition to the war on Iraq in 2003. And during that war on Iraq and actually on Afghanistan, we had a, a considerable number of men and women in the military who said, I am not going to go to Iraq. I'm not going to go to Afghanistan, uh, and they became conscientious objectors or they fled to other countries. Uh, and many of them paid a, 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 a imprisonment price for that, but their conscience was clean that they were not going to participate in this. And I would urge uh, our US military to think about that also, as well as uh, members of uh, the State Department, the Department of Defense, uh, civilians, We've had uh, one uh, man in the State Department who worked directly with weapons transfers, Josh Paul, who has resigned. Uh, We have uh, a Palestinian American in the Department of Education, very high up, uh, uh, Tariq uh, Habash, who's resigned. And we have letters from hundreds and hundreds of staffers in all of the agencies of the United States government that are, telling the Biden administration this is wrong. So I would say this is the time to step forward. You, you do pay a price for it, that's for sure. But it your conscience is clear that you are not participating in the genocide of the people of Gaza.
0: And do you think it has an effect? Do you think the government sees that?
1: Well, uh, I think so. I mean, the Lyndon Johnson during the the Vietnam War uh, he said uh, in his uh, uh, presidential library, there's a big sign up, Vietnam War, and a quote from Lady Bird that said, every night, Lyndon would hear those voices out there. Hey, hey, LBJ, how many kids did you did you kill today? And it really had a deep effect on him. And he decided he was not running for a second term as president. Uh, there were people out in front of the White House every single night yelling the same thing. There are people that have encamped in front of Tony Blinken's house for now over a month that are saying to Blinken, uh, bloody Blinken. So, yeah, I think it does have an effect. And if we didn't do that, I mean, we would I mean, it would be on our conscience that we haven't tried to stop this. So it's so important, whether you're on the West Coast in the San Francisco in the Bay Area to continue the massive. Massive, great protests that you all are doing there, uh, or whether it's in Washington, where we're lobbying Congress every single day for no more money to Israel and a ceasefire. It's important we keep this work up uh, for as long as it takes for peace in the Middle East and the world.
0: And to quote um, a young woman I interviewed the other day, Flora Martinez, she said, if you are trying to get some sleep at night, speaking out on this will definitely help. Well, I think I'll I'll leave it right there and write um thank you so much for the work that you you're doing now. I really appreciate it. You're someone I look up to. Happy Women's History Month and um thank you for joining us today tonight on Full Circle. We really appreciate it and uh, First Voice Media.
1: Thank you so much. Ceasefire, ceasefire.
0: Thank you, for sure all right welcome back to full circle right here on 94.1 fm kpfa and kpfa.org real quick i'm jumping in to ask you if you are able to make a donation to kpfa tonight if ann wright's voice is important to you if you have appreciated the work we have done here on full circle over these past few months to bring you information On Palestine and what's happening there, and not only that, but how to get involved and how to help out. Please show your support by giving back to this station right now, KPFA, by going to kpfa.org. That's kpfa.org and click on that donate tab. I don't have a lot of time for fundraising tonight, so I hope you can can jump in and make a donation to say that this work is important. We just had Anne Wright. If her voice is important to you, if that information she just shared is important to you, again, please go to kpfa.org and make a secure donation online. Also, if you'd like to call in, if you're still using the phone to donate, the number is 1-800-439-439. 5732 that's 1-800-HEY-K-P-F-A again if this work is important to you please consider making a donation during full circle tonight and I'll thank you all in advance because I want to get back into um, the rest of the show because coming up next is Mesa Morar from the Palestinian Feminist Collective and Janelle Ablola from the Philippine Solidarity Task Force. And they're helping to organize and spread a wor- spread the word about the upcoming International Working Women's Day March and Rally. That's taking place next Friday, March 8th at 1 p.m. in the San Francisco Civic Center. Check it out right here on KPFA. All right, Will and Franklin, I'm um, back at you now here on Full Circle KPFA Radio We are part of the Pacifica Radio Network. Also, check us out if you're still on Facebook. I know a lot of people aren't. Um, Check us out on Facebook, First Voice Media on Facebook. And you could see that interview with Colonel, uh, excuse me, with Ann Wright. And she said she got called Colonel more out of the military than into military and just to call her Ann Wright. So um, thank you, Ann Wright, again, for that interview and those wise words. And continuing on in the theme of our kickoff show for Women's History Month and continue on, actually, um, I have two more guests, and they are helping organize the uh, International Working Women's Day March. That's coming up March 8th at the Civic Center in San Francisco, 1 p.m. So get ready for that. But I got two guests here that are going to tell us all about it. And that's uh, Mesa. She's part of the Palestinian Feminist Collective and Healthcare Workers for Palestine. Welcome to you.
2: Thank you very much. Thanks for having us.
0: You're welcome. And uh, Reverend Janelle, she's part of the Philippine Solidarity Task Force. Um, thank you again. Good to see you again.
3: Yeah, thanks. Good to be here.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad you all could make it. And what is the vision and the call to action for this year's International Women's Day in San Francisco? Which one of you would like to tackle that one first?
3: Um, Well, for this this International Working Women's Day in San Francisco, we're asking folks to mobilize um, in solidarity with third world women as we gather together, rise up together, and um, really, you know, just join our struggles together and especially um, to to come together visibly also in contrast and in opposition to bourgeois feminism, Um, yeah.
0: And that was Reverend Janelle. How about uh, you, Mesa? How, how do you see it?
2: Yeah, and I think this year, particularly, we are centering Palestine and what's happening in Palestine and the ongoing genocide, and especially um, the gender-based violence against women in Palestine, what we are facing every day, what we've been facing since 1948, um, but more particularly uplifting our martyrs for the past five months, and the ongoing solidarity that we have seen and witnessed really around the world, millions of people showing up. So this particular International Working Women's Day, we are centering Palestine.
0: And um, you're talking about solidarity here across international borders, and I think that's one thing that a lot of um, struggles have decided upon is that the saying, until all of us are free, none of us are free. And um, I think we need to keep those connections going. So thank you for that. And also part of the um, the the day, the March, the month, um, would be decolonizing Western feminism. Can you all talk about um, what you mean by that? Let's start with uh, you this time, Mesa.
2: Yeah, so as part of the PFC, the Palestinian Feminist Collective, we have a campaign going on right now where we want to talk about shutting down um, colonial feminism or what we can call Western feminism. And so Western feminism is really the white feminism that we see that's mostly on mainstream that um, touts around uh, and only really idolizes wh- white feminist agenda. And so as Palestinians and really as people of the world and people of color, we aren't going to be silent to victiming, victimization of what is American and white feminism. And we really see ourselves as integral and instrumental in really the fight to decolonize our struggles and decolonize. And what we mean by decolonize is to really kind of revert back to are either indigenous ways or our ancestral ways of what it means to stand for our causes, whether it's in Palestine, in the Philippines, in Mexico, in Congo, and really people of the world, because we see our feminist struggle as integral and instrumental in our liberation movements, right? So women, as women of, um, conscious, we hold a lot, we hold a lot of responsibility. We, um, we are able to birth our nation, we're able to take care of our families. And so part of this part of what we're trying to do is shut down what does colonial feminism look like? What does it mean to be a feminist in a Palestinian space? What does it mean to be a feminist in a third world women's space? And so that's part of our messaging and that will be very clear on March 8th.
0: And Reverend Janelle, do you want to touch on that? How do you how are you feeling about decolonizing the the movement?
3: Um, I think that this is an empowering effort um, by these various organizations. Um, Just to name the organizations that are helping to coordinate this, we have Gabriela Oakland, Palestinian Feminist Collective, Mujeres Unidas y Activas, or MUA. Um, They're mostly the organizations that have been holding it down. Um, And then we also have joining with us ASATA, or Alliance of South Asians Taking Action, Grassroots Global Justice, Philippine Solidarity Task Force Survived and Punished, Chahabadores Unidos Workers United, U.S. Palestinian Community Network. So all of these formations are coming together to uh, really uplift our struggles, uplift our perspective and what feminism looks like um, from these contexts and also alongside and in solidarity with women um, of the so-called third world as well.
0: And before we move on to the next question, can you throw in your thoughts, um, either of you or both of you, on like the LGBT movement in this perspective of decolonizing this movement, and and especially like trans women? How do you all see
3: that? Mm-hmm. Um, trans women and uh, gender expansive communities are very integral to this movement in the sense that they're also um, experience violence, are harmed by. Um, colonization in general, and also in particular by um, by uh, colonial feminism, which oftentimes excludes and um, excludes trans communities and gender expansive communities from our movements. Um, I think historically, trans and gender expansive communities have been really um, key in our communities, in our movements, um, before these colonial projects came in and tried to um, wipe out um, the contributions and the um, gifts of trans and gender-expansive people. And so um, we also join with trans and gender-expansive people in this mobilization and hope that folks can uh, come together with us and link our struggles. Um, in particular, if we're talking about the Philippines, like uh, U.S. military presence has harmed trans, gender-expansive um, gender, not, gender expansive folks. Um Back in 2014, um, there was a U.S. Marine, Joseph Scott Pemberton, who uh, murdered uh, trans uh, woman Jennifer Laude, and we have yet to find justice for for that loss of, of her life and her violent death. So we don't want any folks to continue being um, lost because of gender-based violence, because of um, especially when mili- U.S. imperialist militaries have their presence in our homelands.
2: Yeah, just to if I can. Yeah, please. Um, you yeah, know, we know uh, black trans women specifically are one of the victims who, especially in these past few years, who their stories are untold, much like uh, the genocide right now in mainstream media, where it is not acknowledged that these you know, deaths and atrocities are happening. And so I think that that's why it's really important for us as feminists to come forward because we represent the majority of the population that don't want this violence to happen against our communities. We represent the masses and the people. We are the ones on the ground. We are the ones showing up for each other on the streets. We are mobilizing, we're taking care of each other. We're doing everything that we can to heal one another. And so when you see the mainstream media that doesn't even tell the truth, or spins the truth or tells lies, really, um, it is our duty to actually show up and say, no, this is what we're here to stand for. And that's why programs like Full Circle and these radio shows are so important so that we can actually say what's happening, what we're fighting for, and the work that we're trying to achieve.
0: Definitely, that's a part of our mission. And uh, that's the voice of Mesa from the Palestinian Feminist Collective and Healthcare Workers for Palestine. Before that, you heard our other guest, Reverend Janelle, from the Philippine Solidarity Task Force. Well, let's move on because we already touched on Palestine, um, you know, briefly on all these topics, but we want to talk about the urgency of this moment, given the conditions in Gaza, um, in the Gaza Strip and across occupied, uh, the occupied Palestinian territories. You know, uh, we saw this morning or last night or yesterday, I don't know where our time relation is, but there was another massacre of people waiting to get food you know who does this Mm -hmm. so you know talk about the urgency of of this moment and seizing um this day march 8th the international working women's day Mm -hmm. so tell us about that yeah
2: um i feel like we've been a state of urgency for five months it's been ongoing it's not you know just in this moment it's really every morning we wake up this morning in particular waking up to the massacre. Um, on the border of Rafah as people were trying to get food um it's just it's literally one thing after another and waking up to that this morning is just a reminder for us that we need to continue you know we need to continue our fight here in the belly of the beast on on the lands of on here on Turtle Island but you know in particularly the urgency has been so ongoing for us that sometimes we get to the point where we kind of have to like take a step and breathe a little bit and see like the bigger picture of things. I think a lot of people right now are either being a little bit burnt out or a little bit tired, feeling restless. Um, But I think that it's really important to really emphasize and to note to people that we need to continue. You know, if the people in Gaza are holding strong and if we see that their willpower and their will to live and even die in dignity is so strong, then we must continue the fight for them abroad wherever we are. So I do want to just encourage people to keep mobilizing. We want people to show up and march in the streets with us on March 8th for International Working Women's Day. But we want you to continue the fight wherever you are, whether that's on March 8th or the days before at city council meetings, um, wherever you are. We want to encourage you to continue to show up because we must be the voice for the people that are voiceless right now.
0: And well, let me get you to continue real quick because, uh, Mesa, because we talked a moment off the mic and we had a great moment. I want to try to bring you back to that. Yeah. And that is, um, you know, the point of getting even small municipalities to call for a ceasefire resolution like Mm -hmm. in Antioch. You know, talk about what um, our leaders need to do for us. Yeah. And why it's important, even in small municipalities.
2: I think it's important to note that the, the passing of these resolutions, I mean, Richmond was the first city in the US to pass a ceasefire resolution. It's important to note that these gestures are largely symbolic, right? Like a lot of when you come to these city council meetings, a lot of the times their response is, well, what can we do? We're just a small city in this, in California, Northern California. But it's it's more than that. It's symbolic in that when we show our larger governments, our Congress people, our representatives, our senators, when we show that the masses of people are for a ceasefire, demand a ceasefire, we want aid to enter into Gaza. We want to end the siege on Gaza. We want to end US military aid to Israel and we want to fund our communities here. I think that's the biggest point we need to grapple with, right? When we show up to these city council meetings, billions of dollars are going to the wars in Ukraine and to Israel. But what about our fam our families and our communities here? I myself I'm a healthcare worker, right? I struggle with getting adequate access of healthcare to my own patients because insurance won't cover it. Like that is crazy to me because when you think about in Israel where they have, citizens of Israel have full coverage of healthcare, they have access to education and everything is free for them. Why isn't it free for us here? Why are our tax dollars being paid to pay going paid for their own health and their well-being? I think as Americans as as people that are showing up to these city council meetings, the reason why you should care is because this doesn't just affect the people in other places, thousands of miles. This also affects you. This affects people that are living here, the people that are trying to survive here, and that are frankly struggling to survive. We've seen, I mean, I can go on and on about this, but we've seen like housing markets skyrocket. Nobody can afford housing. We have countless houseless people living in the streets. Nobody can afford real adequate healthcare. Nobody can afford education. These are matters that matter to us here. You know, so I think we need to think about that. How do we reroute the money that is supposed to go towards militarization and war and violence and bring it back to our communities?
0: Definitely. And Reverend Janelle, how about you on the urgency of this moment? And, you know, what you've been hearing from your colleague here, Mesa?
3: Yeah, I think it's uh, really important to say the names and recognize the people who have been martyred, who've been killed um, because of violence against women, um, in particular, U.S. imperialist violence against women and against trans and gender expansive people. Um, because mainstream media will not say their names, will not recognize um, that these folks are, are being taken from us. So I think that's, that's really important. Um, another piece is just reminding us that we all have a stake in the liberation of our peoples Um, we have a stake in the liberation of the people of palestine it will empower the rest of our movements for national liberation elsewhere and it will empower us as like feminists i think part of our responsibility in living in integrity as feminists is whether or not we know the connections or can speak to them i think we know from our lived experiences what connections there are mesa named them and um whether we know the connections or not, whether we know them deeply or not, it's just our responsibility as feminists to uh, stand alongside one another and to be in solidarity with one another. Um, as much as there's so much grief going on and as much outrage as there is, like this is not separate from Recognizing that IWWD, this mobilization, is also an opportunity to celebrate the victories that we have had, to celebrate that there are new relationships being formed, to celebrate that we are powerful when we come together, and we've seen our power throughout these past five months. And so it's really an opportunity for us to celebrate that, take joy in it, find rest and comfort in the ways that we can, hold each other in that, like all of it, to be able to just hold all of these things together um, as we continue on in our struggles and our fight uh, for liberation, um, also what was mentioned is that you know the narr- the false narratives, the lies that are being spread. Um, it's an opportunity for us to uplift the narratives that are often silenced. Um, it's an opportunity for us to uplift truth, and while they have their lies and their narratives. They have resources behind those lies and narratives, right, in order to convince people that they're telling the truth. But for us, um, we are here to tell the truth, to expose what's really going on, and also to remind folks that they have opportunities and avenues to resist and to fight as well.
0: And that's the voice of Reverend Janelle, uh, part of the Philippine Solidarity Task Force. Thank you for those words. And We're getting a little bit low on time. Let's get on to this last question because we've been, you know, touching on this as well throughout our whole conversation. And that's how gender based violence is playing out during this genocide. And we do know that Israel does claim to be the most um, moral army in the world. But all you have to do is log on to their telegram or look at some of the videos online and um, just Read the news, and you'll you'll know it's difference. But talk about this important issue of how gender-based violence is affecting women and you know non-binary people.
2: Yeah, so we see uh, this gender-based violence is really is like a weapon of war that Israeli soldiers have been using to torture and humiliate Palestinian women, men, and children. I think. Many people have seen the photos or videos of Israeli soldiers touting women's lingerie around um, as if women don't have as if Palestinian women don't have a sexuality, as if Palestinian women don't have their own identities and kind of trying to shame them, too. And so it's really disturbing for us to see these images, especially knowing that those articles of clothing are likely from women that have passed or that they themselves have killed you know and it's it's kind of like you're living in this world where you're saying how is this acceptable you know you look at this and you see these videos you see these comments you see these pictures how is this acceptable and as feminists feminists we will not allow for our enemies to weaponize that against us as people of conscience, as women as non-gender conforming people we will not allow for this gender-based violence to be used against us when we know full well the reports that have come out more recently is that israel themselves have been torturing they have been Um, sexually abusing women in the past few weeks. There have been reports uh, from women coming out and there's also reports of them sexually abusing young boys and men and harassing and torturing and so they want to play themselves as the victim and as you said you know they try to use this compass of or this umbrella as the most moral army but in all reality, they are the ones that are the most immoral and the most evil, and they're the ones perpetuating the most harm against our people. And so, it's our responsibility to really show what's actually happening. When women come out, when people want, it, when people have the ability to speak, and they have the urge to speak, and they need to, you know, to so we know what's actually happening on the ground and to debunk any lies that they may be telling. Um, I think of if, if you are any conscious person, if you have any morality or any ethics, you will look to this and be disgusted by it. And you won't have any other option but to stand with the Palestinian people, much like we've seen in the really in the past week with Aaron Bushnell's um, self emulation, You know, this, these are people that are standing up for what is just in the world.
0: Definitely. And uh, Reverend Janelle, your thoughts on this, um, how women are affected, um, gen- this gender-based violence that we're seeing taking place?
3: I mean, it's interesting that um, the narrative that the mainstream tries to spin is that Israel is uh, sort of protecting women's rights when they're clearly violating women's rights and their dignity um, through this, this uh, genocide Um, it's not surprising um, that uh, colonial militaries will do this, Um, that there's a dehumanizing of women, of people in general. Yeah, I don't know if there's much, really much I can add to what Mesa said.
0: Definitely. You said it well, Mesa. Well, I appreciate both of you. Um, That last voice you heard was Reverend Janelle of the Philippine Solidarity Task Force. Uh, My other guest is uh, Mesa from the uh, Palestinian Feminist Collective and Healthcare Workers for Palestine. They're working hard to bring us this information on International Working Women's Day. That's coming up March 8th. And folks are going to gather in San Francisco Civic Center at 1 p.m. We only got a couple minutes left but can you uh, tell us what people could expect that day and where could they find more information?
2: Yes. Yeah, so we're going to gather at the Civic Center in San Francisco at 1 p.m. You can find more information mostly on Instagram. We do have a Facebook event page. So for the people that are on Facebook, hey. you can look us up at, uh, under Palestinian Feminist Collective, as well as under Gabriela and Mujeres Unidas y Activas. We have an event page on there. So if you want to just look at more information or RSVP on there, uh, we will be marching. Uh, so prepare to march for about a mile, a mile and a half. Um, bring any bring your children bring your family bring your loved ones uh, anyone that is willing and able to come join us please do come Um, we are also asking if you feel comfortable if you would like to please wear your COVID masks so that we could keep each other safe that day Um, as as best as we can of course and I think one last note I wanted to kind of leave on is that You know, we can't normalize oppression wherever it is. I think it's very easy for people of the world and especially Americans to live on in their life and not pay attention to what's happening. But uh, I wanna challenge people and I wanna challenge each other so that we can learn more about it, uh, read about it. It's everywhere, information is everywhere. And to continue to be silent, especially in this moment, is choosing to be complicit in genocide. So if you're not speaking up about Palestine, you're not making a post, you're not challenging your friends, your loved ones, your family members, um, then think about that.
0: Definitely. And I feel like um, Aaron Bushnell said it well. I'm paraphrasing here, but if your country was committing a genocide, what are you doing? And the answer is you're doing it right now. So uh, thank you again, uh, Mesa, Palestinian Feminist Collective. Reverend Janelle, thank you very much. Philippine Solidarity Task Force. We appreciate these wise words and we hope to see you all out there March 8th. Yes. All right, that brings us to the end of tonight's show. One more quick pitch for you to donate to this important media outlet, KPFA. Please, if you're able and appreciated this work, head over to kpfa.org org. And make a secure donation online. That's kpfa.org. Make that secure donation online. Also, if you'd like to call in, the number to call is 1 800 439 5732. That's 1 800 Hey. KPFA. And I want to make one quick announcement because, in light of this recent attack on people lining up for food aid, there's going to be an emergency rally tomorrow, Saturday, March 2nd, 12 p.m. at Harry Bridges Plaza in San Francisco. Again, tomorrow, March 2nd, 12 p.m., Harry Bridges Plaza, hands off Rafa, ceasefire now. Stop the genocide. One last pitch for the station. Head over to kpfa.org. Make that secure donation online if you are able. Don't forget, if you are trying to increase your education about what has happened in Palestine, what's happening in Palestine, when you go to kpfa.org, there's a lot of gifts available to you that would help you increase that education including a history of modern palestine the hundred years war on palestine and light in gaza writings born of fire so you can get in those uh books individually or you can get the focus on palestine pack which is all three of those books so again i thank you all for listening very much if if you are able to donate tonight and support this show full circle and this radio station kpfa head over to kpfa.org and click on that donate tab if you want to get on the phone call 1-800-439-5732 that's 1-800-439-5732 i really appreciate it and thank you for all those that already did donate tonight that does bring us to the end of tonight's show remember check out our website kpfaapprentice.org just after the show for pictures archive shows and important links and information related to tonight's show also please like and follow first voice media on facebook where you can see videos that we upload the interview with ann wright is a video there's a short video with our two guests for international working women's day and uh, check that out if you can first voice media on Facebook let me give a shout out to the full circle crew Miss M she's the executive director Joy Moore is our production consultant and me Free Will and Franklin I have been your producer and host for tonight I'm also the technical director for this show full circle thanks for listening everyone and remember while you're out there please protect your health And also, your humanity. And stay tuned to
1: KPFA. Up next is La Onda Bajita. Good night, everyone.